Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. And a welcome to you, spectacular human being. This is the Nerdist Podcast, episode number 222. Come check out the Nerdist Podcast live at San Diego Comic-Con, Friday, July 13th at the Babo Theater. We also have a bunch of other dates coming up on the Nerdist Podcast. We are coming to Texas later in July. Perhaps you've heard of Houston and Dallas. We'll be there. So go to Nerdist.com slash calendar. Uh, click on the links there. You can get tickets and come see us perform live. We'll do our show. We'll do some stand-up. We'll do a panel. We'll do some comments. And then we'll hug people afterwards and sign stuff. Uh, so uh, check it out. Check it out. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Bunk, the television show on IFC, which is right after Comedy Bang Bang. It airs at 10.30 p.m. Uh, on Fridays. This is where comedians come to play. It's improv comics play for insane prizes, uh, non-charitable causes. <laughs> comics are armed with nothing but wit, their brains, their comedy glands, throbbing. Some of the categories on the show are uh, shame that puppy, give that bitch some arms, unstamp that tramp. Challenges include making up songs on the spot, completing drawings, creating sculptures. It's just a super fun fake game show so you you really 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 should watch first of all you should watch comedy bang bang and then stick around the following half hour for bunk fridays 10 30 p.m on ifc hey guys let's get you into this podcast this is uh my dear old friend uh marilyn rice cub she's not old i mean and that was a qualifier for friendship that our friendship is old not that it's old and stale it's just older than someone that i've only known for a few years i've known marilyn for oh my god like a decade at least maybe probably longer actually no definitely longer so it, it's unforgivable that she hasn't been on the podcast until now unforgivable bad host Chris Hardwick oh I'll show you but uh, she is delightful and uh, it was a real pleasure to have her on and it's funny that being that people when she got famous from 24 and this whole uh, swath of people then discover like oh she's also a comedian who is funny so uh, it was really, really, really great to finally have her on. Long, long, long overdue. So here it is, Nerdist Podcast, episode number 222 with Marilyn Rice Cub. Now entering Nerdist.com. So Bruce Campbell was cool. Yeah, extremely cool. And I took a picture with him. 
And like I was looking, I was just being real fan dorky, where I was it's like gonna put my picture. arm around him and smile like an asshole. And he's like, oh, no, come on, we're we're both tall. Let's uh, let's do like a buddy cop poster, a buddy cop movie poster." And we went back to back with our arms crossed. Oh wow! Yeah. And then I said, uh, "I said, yeah, this is the cover for our uh, for our, our cop show, uh, where you're like a hardened veteran and I'm an alcoholic, and we'll we'll call it Chin and Tonic." <laughs> How did that go over? He cracked up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Marilyn Rice Cub. Hey, what's going on? Get 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 on the microphone hey, there. Girl. We're recording. I didn't know who Bruce Campbell was. Oh, she's she the guy up. from uh, Army of Darkness and Evil Dead. And Evil Dead. You probably Jr. remember Briscoe County Junior. The <laughs> nope. show on notice. The show on Fox, the network <laughs> that you were on. They don't care about me. I don't care about them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> whoa! Sounds like you got some stuff hey, to work Bruce out, man. Bruce Campbell's birthday is my birthday, and he's from Royal Oak. Michigan. That, uh, no, 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 He's in Royal Oak. Michigan. We performed in Royal Oak. Yeah. I'm just kidding, Fox. I love you. Please hire me again sometime <laughs> if you decide to. Again. I'll try to be good. You guys have the same birthday. Yeah. What are the odds of that? Do you want headphones or do you not like Aren't headphones? Like one in 30 or something like that. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's all right. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> Isn't that nice? It's so soft. Now you can hear that's everything. Sexual. Hey, Mary Lynn. Hey, what's up? I'm inside your head now, Mary Lynn Rice. Um, I don't know where that was going. What? I am so glad you're finally on the podcast. Me too. What's happening with you? Oh, stuff. <laughs> Won't you just, just catch nothing up? Much? What's happening nothing to you, much? Chris? What happened to you? What happened? You're, you're, you've become like 50 people and 50 shows. Uh, well, you know, I just... I hope your floor is made of diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> and you have love. It's cubic zirconia, but it's still pretty impressive. I don't need love. I, you know, occasionally I cut my feet on my diamond floor, but mm. other than that, it's worth it. Uh, they're very expensive wounds. Have them polished. You'll be fine. You wake yeah. up like Tony Robbins every morning, walking on diamonds instead of coal. Ow, That's ow. right. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. Great. Mind over it matter. great. I used to live great. in a 400 square foot apartment. <laughs> now I cut my feet on diamonds. Money over matter. That's right. I think that's how it Money works. Money before people. <laughs> Never. Always people. Oh. Mm. Uh, I, Mary Lynn, I have, we have known each other for many, many, many years. I know. That's why I'm trying to understand what's going on with you now. <laughs> well, because I feel like drinking. I, I did stop oh. drinking. Mary Lynn remembers. I listen. <laughs> I I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this up. There was a leave it to this one. There was a time. <laughs> you didn't even say anything. You don't even have to. The year there, was like 2000, 2000, 2001, maybe, and I uh, totally hit on Mary Lynn. Asked her out. I asked you out at a show, I think. I love that you remember the year. I don't remember. Maybe I might I be wrong. that's right. You had just broken up with a musician type. Right. So that was just post 9-11. <laughs> For well, you. No, no, that was your 9-11. Yeah. yeah. Uh, personal 9-11. Yeah, that was your personal 9-11. Um, and it was at a coffee shop show. It was at a coffee shop show. Yes, right by the New Art Theater. I remember right off uh, 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 um, Sautel. I remember, I remember the street. And I'm uh, seeing diamonds and butterflies right now as I look at you. And I was like, I, I, you know, I should just, I should just add, uh, you know, I had always had a little bit of a crush, a little bit of a crush. Uh, loved Girls Guitar Club. Uh, That's a stage persona, Chris. You don't know anything about the real me. <laughs> because you didn't give me a chance. Here, this is the reason you're on the podcast, Mary Lynn. I bring on girls who wouldn't go out with me. <laughs> That's why Mary Lynn. It's sort of like uh, high fidelity, but um, no. But I and, and but you know, at the time, I was a fucking mess, and I and uh, and but I was like, hey, we should go out, or you want to go out? And you were like, well, 
let me think about it. Was your speech always slurred then? Because yes, every story. Yeah, constantly. Is that true? What? Did you slur? I don't know. I it's it's hard to slur. know because when you're when you're drinking all the time, you have this idea in your head of what you're putting out into the world, and it's probably not accurate with what is actually being put out into I'll, the world. I'll tell you what it sounded like. It sounded like a very tired guy with a lot of uh, ideas. That he had to get across, like, hey, you know what we should do? So, like Tom Hulse in Parenthood. Aww. Yeah, yeah, love him. Yeah, uh, uh, we really gotta go. And, and then, and then you, we talk a couple days later, and you go, look, um, I appreciate that you. I, I can't go out with you. I just got out of a relationship, and things are, you know, I'm just trying to adjust to that. Just and you were to very myself out very, right now. Very sweet about it. You're very sweet about it. Yeah, it's weird because probably I spent the next two to three years having my most drinking and drug filled time which is weird that i would turn you down well because the problem I wish was that we had gone out what would have happened i don't know because what I, the <laughs> way he would be here leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> the way the way that it the universe was <laughs> because of the period that the way we were both in is that i i gave you time to think about it and what should have happened was we were at, after a show we should have been hanging out and then the two bar. o'clock in the morning just drunkenly making it made out yeah like that's how that would have ha- played out but because it was a fully lit coffee shop be- <laughs> nobody in the audience <laughs> there wasn't anyone there and it was like i it was you know it's, it's it's like going through it's sort of like why people pirate things well i went through the official channels and that didn't work <laughs> so that's why i have to you know pirate makeout sessions at 2 30 in the morning yeah. at bar that are shut down. I'd ask out a girl like I'm I was a 14 year old boy. <laughs> Why are you yelling at me? I'm not angry. It's super romantic. I'm not angry when anymore. It happens like that. I just have an ear infection and I can't hear well. <laughs> so I never, I never got to fully apologize for like just kind of, I don't know. I always felt like ah, I was kind of a mess, of course. Like, why, you know, I was a mess. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know why I felt the need to apologize for that, but I'm sorry. I, don't think you really do. No, okay. well, I, I'm I think glad you're just you trying did. to like put a button on that discussion. Joan so and I have been waiting for that apology. So thank you're you. not getting it. Edit oh. that out. You're not getting it. When, um, but I don't really actually know that much about your background and where you grew up and where you started. Did you come down with the San Francisco comedy scene that migrated south? Yes, I did. You're Blaine Capatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the world's Jeremy Blaine Kramer, Capatch. the world's Blaine. Yeah, I was doing performance art in San Francisco. You know that, right? Mm-hmm. And then people were laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that the same situation with Jeremy Kramer, though? Is it? <laughs> you <laughs> is, can say that was performance, performance art. art? Yeah. His life is performance yeah, art. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I was hanging out with Jeremy Kramer a lot in San Francisco. I uh, And... They're like, we're doing shows in L.A. And I thought, cool, because I had finished art school and I did, had no reason to be there. If I would have stayed in San Francisco, I would have been working at a coffee shop, living in a storefront and doing like performance art pieces in a storefront. So I didn't come to L.A. like, oh, I'm going to get work. I just thought I need to be in a new place and see new stuff. And I was really just couldn't stop performing. Like my painting classes, I would just like start talking, which is weird because I just had this like urge to express myself but it wasn't really my personality i just had a need did you grow up in san francisco (laughs) (laughs) no i'm from michigan and then i was going to art school in michigan and this friend of mine uh said she was going to san francisco for the semester and i was like i want to do that and then i went to san francisco and i never went back interesting 
And then there were lots of uh, the comedy clubs were closing, so there were, excuse me, a lot of uh, open mic poetry rooms, mm-hmm. which I just really loved that. And you know, when you like, I had no money, so you'd get like a huge burrito in the mission and just have it for like all day. And then when by the time I went to the poetry reading, I'd drink like a half a beer. And I'd be like, oh, my God, like, I'm so wasted. And then I'd watch, like, you know, like the transvestite from the street read her poetry. And those rooms were so great because it, and I just loved, like, watching a person by themselves on stage doing a monologue of whatever, you know, whatever their heart desired. And yeah. then I would see just, like, random people like Patton would come through or Blaine. And I was like, oh, like, because they were so polished, but they were doing stuff that they couldn't do in comedy clubs. So I just was like fascinating to me wow. so you never even said like you, you it was never like a goal to say like i'm gonna do comedy it was just sort of a oh god no j- that was that it was just sort of the product of what was of people accidentally laughing at me. yeah and i remember i was doing like i tried to do like poetry slams but i don't even know what i was doing i would just like <laughs> read nonsense like words that sound interesting to me because i was in art school and then like people would laugh at my persona and i thought well that's interesting and I remember telling this older uh, poet guy from Humboldt, California, that I was going to try to do comedy. And he was like, why? Like, he was so bummed out that I wasn't doing poetry. So loud. And what I couldn't say out loud was, because people are laughing at me and I don't know why. <laughs> so I thought I'd give that a go. Oh, but I, I, I forgot. As one of my performance art pieces, because uh, when you go to art school, especially in San Francisco, you know, when you're doing sculpture with no materials, like beyond sculpture, and it becomes performance art. One of my pieces was going in a comedy club, and the guy I was dating at the time was trying to do comedy, and I read all these punchlines that made no sense off scraps of paper and showed that as my performance art piece. And I remember the teacher, like my friends were like, oh, it's brilliant. And my teacher was like, yeah, take an acting class. And that was Whoa. Yeah. But that's what's so weird to me about... Good advice. The, Good idea, advice. the idea of an art school feels weird it was sort of like how i i majored in philosophy and i always was confused by how papers about philosophy were graded right unless it was like logic which was very mathematical and i can understand there was a right and a wrong answer the right and wrong way to do it but with art how do you do a project and they go that's not it you're like but it's an expression of how could you say what is and isn't well i had another teacher uh, a few teachers um that were really cool in that regard and you would have discussions about why or why not that would be a piece and then there's the other part of art school where you just learn your foundations you know you learn your reading and writing and your reading and writing your drawing and arithmetic and your 3d art and your you, you know how to do the human figure and then in the later classes you're supposed to get all conceptual about that shit were you with the art academy of san francisco no, the, the academy uh, of arts or art San Francisco Art Institute, which was on, right next to Lombard Street on Chestnut. Okay. That beautiful building. Did you ever go in there and it overlooks the water? kind of looks like a church. I've never been it's in direct- there, but that's right next to Cobbs. Yeah. Like right down Lombard Street. I, did, why, I never went to Cobbs for some reason because I had an aversion to real comedy clubs, which I've just now started doing real comedy clubs. <laughs> <laughs> I have. What the hell? Well, you know, I think when we're younger, there's the sort of like... 
man, that's bullshit. That's the old structure. And they're just, they're fucking yeah. telling you what you're supposed to. And you kind of have this, you know, there's, you're all young and rebellious and you just want to fucking tear the buildings down. And then when you get older, you're like, you know, there is actually a craft to joke writing and, yeah. and making, you know, and, and then you start to appreciate that part of it. So maybe that just means we're all getting older. But I, I, I just, I think that. Fuck you, old man. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I think when you're younger, it's just easier to do that because the actual joke writing or actual like it's hard yeah <laughs> it's fucking harder yeah it is now <laughs> my headphones okay? just came off no man this just blew my mind uh <laughs> did you ever go to the brainwash cafe in san francisco they used to have a comedy night no just popped into my mind no i didn't okay talk to you later <laughs> <laughs> this was, that, that just didn't Bye last forever. long at all this did not well, last long I was just long. trying to get your like where kind of places you went well I, I didn't really perform that much in San Francisco until like five or six years ago I didn't catch up with that scene that migrated south the Largo what ultimately became the Largo scene I didn't really fall in with that until like 99 or 2000 right 90, 98 99 2000 so that scene had had well established itself in Los Angeles by that point. Everyone had been out here. I mean, I started watching, you know, I went to the Uncabaret shows in like 92 or 93 with a very young, long-haired Blaine Capatch and a very young David Cross and a very young yeah. Margaret Cho and Posehn when he had his crazy long, you know, crazy long Ludo oh, yeah. hair. Did you see that picture that someone just posted recently of uh, it's a Baron... Capatch, uh, Patton. I saw that. Yeah, it's like black and white. It looks like they're in like a Jesus and Mary Chain cover band. That that picture is in Lord the Milligan. green room of Cobbs. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. Where it, it yeah, yeah, Lord yeah, it, it, yeah. I oh, is that Dan Dion? Did Dan yeah, Dion Dan shoot Dion, that? Dion, yeah. yeah. Um, that is a fucking amazing picture. It, it, to me, it looks like a like yeah yeah like a Jesus and Mary Chain cover, or <laughs> yeah. like Tears for Fears or something. It's just <laughs> it's very and everyone's just young and just yeah. full of fucking. I know. It's I weird. get kind of angry when I look at it. Those young fools. It's weird <laughs> to look know? at though, because Greg Barron, uh, the way he dresses now matches more of the picture of then. When then he's just wearing like a polo shirt. This looks like <laughs> a beefy dude. When you started to, when you, what was your, what was your plan? Did you have any kind of game plan, or you just kind of wanted to? When you started realizing, like, oh, maybe I have this kind of inherent comedy thing. I'm gonna just do that. Like, what was? Did you have any sort of direction? No, I used to. No, I just wanted to perform and I did had no idea why and my brain I couldn't put like a story together and I would always berate myself like in the 90s year after year I was like you should really do a sketch packet but I didn't I never I never wrote <laughs> sketches I never really you know I, I watched the people that I liked all the people that you just mentioned but I didn't study comedy I just was like oh these are the people that I like and this is the time in my life where I like going to shows and I like doing shows uh, I remember um, Paul F. Tompkins and Jay Johnston at one particular show in Hollywood backstage. They were rehearsing this like sort of elaborate like back and forth. And I was like, you guys are rehearsing. It's going to just be on me for whatever reason. I was irate. I would have scraps of paper and I'd like improvise. And I, I don't like I don't know what I was doing. And I can remember, like, the other day I was driving down uh, La Brea, that place that used to be the Lava Lounge. Mm -hmm. the and woods. I have, like, all these, like, memories of, like, just old performances of, of going on stage and being like, what do you guys want from me? And people, la like, getting a laugh off of that. But I was just using my own neuroses and need to, like, expel energy and ha get attention and not really knowing 
what the interface was with the audience. That's a really interesting. Uh, that's a really interesting approach because I think particularly young writers who ha- are trying to figure out who they are. There's there's sort of um, there's a translation filter between what's in their head or what they're trying to express. And they go, how do I get this? How do I present this to the audience in a way that they will understand? Or how do I if make them laugh? They, they say, oh, I have this idea. Yeah, how exactly. Do how do I? Oh, I really want to. Man, this needs to be funny. There needs to be a turn here. But with but yours is a very arty approach, which is just like I am. The, this is the purest expression of what I'm feeling in this moment. Oh, you just totally made something make, make sense to me <laughs> <laughs> in a new way. Time machine. When did you start? When did how did Girls Guitar Club uh, come about? Uh, Karen Kilgariff was, she had learned a couple chords. I think Andy Kindler taught her, if I'm remembering right, and they learned a Lucinda Williams song called uh, Concrete and Barbed Wire. Okay. And, we, you know, we were just hanging out, and she was like, oh, I just learned this. Like, you got to learn this with me. It's so awesome. And so we just spent the entire night learning a G and a C, which is one of, like, the hardest changes, I guess. I still don't really know. To, when you're like Index changing chords, all the way down, and so we just for like six hours played, you know, those two chords over and over, and she had learned with him like how to sing and play the chords, and then we were like children. I, I believe like David Cross was there, and I can forget who else. The first time we were like, hey, maybe Danny Savage, like, hey, we just learned this song. Okay, wait. Uh, okay, we're gonna play this song for you now, and uh, you know, we could like barely play it, and then it was a couple days after that that we thought we're going to go to an open mic music night, which was at Genghis Cohen. Oh, yeah. On the and, and, oh, yeah and they Genghis had like pews and mm. it's like super, super I'm dark sorry, and super quiet. And the uh, singer songwriters take themselves really seriously. And we're like, OK, we're up next. And we went up and the thing, you know, when you go to play music and you're we didn't know what we were doing. So we just immediately froze because you're you're doing a show, you know, yeah. and you can't just like, like you can barely do it in the first place. So we both were like, uh, so anyway, and we started talking back and forth and making each other laugh. And then that was really fun. So that became our act. Did it play okay <laughs> with that, with that group where they're like, they're not taking this seriously. It kind of played okay. Like I, I probably, we had, you know, five or 10 friends there that laughed and I don't even remember if we got the song out. I get we probably did <laughs> get part of it. Um, yeah. Did did you do did Girls Guitar Club do a pilot? Did you guys do a Did you do a show? I feel like I remember seeing you. We on, did a short film that was twelve minutes long. It was directed a short by film. Ruben Fleischer. Do you know Ruben? Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, From and that was Zombieland. the first thing he ever directed. Yeah. And it was his idea, and he was like, I remember he was just like biting his nails. He's like, I want to own it. And he was like so shy and. <laughs> like a comedy fan and said that he wanted to do a short film with us. Was not E from the Eels in that as well? Yeah. And you're uh-huh. in a record, you're in a store and that's right. And I remember Nick it. And mm-hmm. This was like, when was this? Like 2000 maybe? Uh, yeah. Yeah. If not earlier. Yeah, 2000. And 12 then, years ago. And then, at, and then at a certain point was it just did you both get busy or i'm i'm always curious to hear like how cuz it's very it's very difficult when you have to rely when two people have to rely on each other to make the thing yeah that always unnerves me a little bit because i'm like oh you know you're projecting hard and firm on her no not at all mike is the easiest person in the world to work with but there's still there's still always that oh if that guy gets sick 
we can't perform. Or if I get sick, he can't perform. And then there's no show, you know? So I'd, I'd like the dynamic of having more than one person to make a thing work yeah. always always unnerves me a little bit. Yeah, we kind of imploded. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably the only person to this day that I've fought as much as I did because I tend to be get very uh, in arguments like probably cold and like either sarcastic or just really reasonable and quiet and uh-huh. meek. But I almost never fight back. And she's very verbal and would like, we just, yeah. And so we would always like go through stuff and then be okay and go through stuff and be okay. And then one day it was just not okay. Typical rock and roll story. You know? That's how it happens. I don't know how bands stay together for, you know, 5, 10, 20, 25 years. Travel separately and then do the show. That's it, huh? Yeah. They don't socialize. Yeah. But something happens after that. Ten, I mean, 20 years. Yeah. That's a little outrageous. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> all for. You know? I get it, Bono. Are you listening, you two? <laughs> yeah, they're all listening. Yeah. Oh, you think so? Hey, guys. Yeah. Hey, guys. What's been going on? So uh, when did... How did <laughs> not the same. The Edge. That's a crazy name, huh? Carrie. The Edge is a crazy name. Tell you, though, Beautiful Day. It's a good song. Listen, have you fr- seen Rock of Ages? <laughs> no, I haven't seen Rock subject? of Ages. No, not at all. It's just I haven't. Uh, it's really not a sore subject. I and don't, I don't mean even sore subject. Do you feel it inside? I feel. You know, <laughs> I, would, I would be lying if <laughs> I were to say I didn't. Place? I didn't feel something weird about it. And there is literally no reason for me to feel weird about it. But the only way for people who are listening, I'm sure. I'm sure you've heard me blab about this a million times. But Jeez. I was. I was in the original Rock of Ages. You're like Howard Stern and AGT. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Exactly. You won't shut up about it. <laughs> I'm curious to see the movie to see if any of the jokes I wrote for the show survived. To the movie, but oh, I, did you write a lot of jokes for the show? Yeah, because they would, you know, we were doing all these shows, and they, and they just let me, um, and you know, Chris Lorenzo wrote a super fun script, but you know, just doing different shows every night. Yeah, they never tempered me on like I was just improvising so jokes, great. and some of them worked. You and were so great in that. Oh, you're sweet. It was fun. It was super fun, and they they offered for me to go do it off Broadway, and I couldn't do it because I was working and. But did you do it a little bit tour with it or never? No, we did we did a week of shows, like we did two years of shows in Los Angeles, and then we did a week in Vegas because they were trying to sell the show to Vegas. And I I mean I don't think I would have gone to do the show in Vegas, but I went to help them try to sell the show. And uh it didn't play well in Vegas uh, because everyone in the audience was like from the Triassic era. I mean, it was like the oldest like people on Rascals, not they I would never have even gotten the references or the songs. I don't know why they were there. <laughs> But um, we uh, and then it didn't work. And then, you know, they managed to get that show up and going. And I'm and they I mean, like they sank millions of dollars into that show. So I am thrilled because everyone who worked on the show was awesome. But for some reason, like like the movie or like everything, it almost feels like. Oh, this girl that you used to go out with got really famous, and this other guy's fucking her now. And it's just sort of—I don't know why—it just feels a little weird to Katie me. Katie Holmes. Yep, that's yes. right. That's exactly <laughs> what I was getting at. Nice math. <laughs> <laughs> really nice bad. relationship math. So I have not seen it. I probably will see it. I certainly don't feel any like, oh, how come Tom Cruise got the part and I didn't? There's right. literally I mean, none of that. Yeah. But it's just that the show was very special to me when we did it in L.A. And I know the Broadway version changed a little bit and it became a little more mainstreamy. And so I just haven't really warmed up to it 100 percent yet. That's totally my fault. I'm sure the show's great. I mean, everyone who worked on it was awesome. I uh, just 
completely divorced from all that, just looking at the billboard, like, what the heck? That Tom Cruise, you can't stop him. You cannot stop him. <laughs> Someone He'll tell you what he looks like <laughs> this, and what he's like this, and what parts he can play. This blew my mind. We, we were... <laughs> you, can't, you can't stop him. Yeah. Amazing. We're, I'm 50, we're, but I look like this. We were on... Um, we shot, well, I did, we did, I did a, an epic mealtime shoot last night with Harley and the guys, and one of the guys from Epic Mealtime was saying, uh, think about this. Tom Cruise is the same age that Wilford Brimley was when he did Cocoon. And I'm like, oh, fuck. That's amazing. That's not. Wilford Brimley was 50 when he did Cocoon, and Tom Cruise is about to turn 50. Okay, I don't think that's so much. Excuse me, I have to go join Scientology. (laughs) I don't think that's so much a thing on Tom Cruise. I think Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley aged horribly. he, He does have the diabetes. Oh, diabetes. The, the, the diabetes. Yeah. Well, when you're half man, half walrus, it's hard to it's really. It's very uh, difficult. You know, when, when you're out of the water all the time, you and dry the, out. And the sun, it, like, it really yeah. saps your skin. He didn't age horribly. He aged differently. Mm. Well, it's just that he aged quickly and then just stayed that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he was born with the handlebar mustache. Yeah. yeah, I think Tom Cruise has sort of stayed. Yeah. And this is how he will look. I mean, there's forever. no way that Tom Cruise has not had any work done, but it look whatever he's had done um, is amazing. Is amazing. Yeah. And it does not look like what typically happens when guys get work done, which is, oh, that guy, uh, did someone put doll eyes in that man? <laughs> because there's just a lot of there's just a lot yeah. of weirdness here. But with Tom Cruise, he looks fucking amazing. Well, he takes star supplements, you know, stardust supplements where he just. Uh, you can, you af- t- can afford those. Yeah. Cherries? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm, you know, what's going to be funny is that it really probably is just as simple as like, well, if you don't eat a lot of processed sugar and uh, chemicals, you probably age better, you know. Yeah. But most people are like, how do I? What can I inject in my eyeballs? <laughs> yeah. So, but it's hard. I mean, it's hard. I'm sure to, he he has a lot of time to just you know work out every day. You know, maybe he does. I'd imagine so. As yeah. a, like a big time actor guy. And but you progressively have to marry younger women. He makes the time. Okay. You start with he Mimi Rogers. Well, then, then I need go to Nicole Kidman. And then, and then, and then to, to Katie Holmes. You know what I so right, so right now, uh, someone on iCarly is the future. Yeah. This yeah. is Tom Cruise. Yeah. Carly I, herself. There was a, I read an article on uh, Eyes Wide Shut, the last Kubrick movie, yeah. where yes. um, he originally, when he started trying to put the movie together, he wanted Steve Martin to play the lead role instead of Tom Cruise, and he wanted it to be like kind of a comedic farce, like a sex comedy. No way. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he thought it was going to be like this like really like weird, kind of very heavy situation about the infidelity in these sex parties, but it would just be like this guy that doesn't belong there, like kind of freaking out about idea. it. Yeah, it's great. It's so much better. I also movie. read that Steve Martin was supposed to play the lead in Days of Thunder. Really? Yeah. No, I made that up because I that would swear. be weird. I know, I know, but I, I played along, I yes-ended, and then you fucking no, dropped no, the ball. You didn't yes-end, you just yes. He knew you were joking, okay, the whole time he was just playing along with you. I was you. playing along with you. <laughs> <laughs> was the thing. Yeah. No, 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 he knew. Yeah, yeah. Steve's of Thunder. Didn't I, didn't really, I didn't really want 20 bucks. Steve's I was just like, thunder. it would be really funny if I asked for 20 bucks. Have you met Steve Martin? Yes. What was that like? Was he nice to you? He's very shy, right? He's super nice. Oh, man. I, I was on a show of his. Which show? Called the Downer Channel. Oh, the Downer the Channel, Downer of course. Channel. I, I just thought about this the other day. I auditioned in a room, in an office, and going back to my performance art, cra- like I had no, I couldn't, like your three characters. You know how you go for a sketch. I didn't. I just did a performance. Like I did a performance art piece. And at that time, that woman, uh, Cindy Margolis, was like, "Do you remember her?" Yeah, before she was, the inter- internet was. She so was famous? she was like the oh, number one number person. She was the number one downloaded, downloaded yeah. girl on the internet. So I had a character that where I stuffed my bra and had like 
I don't even remember what the gist of it was. It was funny. I can't explain it to you, but where it was her talking, and then by the end of it, I've unstuffed it, and I'm like, I'm not her. And I did that weird performance art piece in front of him and got the job. I wow. totally get that because... I mean, that's when you look at what he was doing as a stand-up, it was this kind of characterized performance art piece. Interesting. And he probably totally... He used his own per- personality in some ways, and then in other ways it was just like an abstract... But he was, yeah, he, I think there was a real comment on the state of, of, of performance and pop culture and like where things were at was the whole like wild and crazy guy, I think, was the wild and crazy yeah. guy thing. And so he probably had tons of people coming to me like, hey, here's this really big crazy character and here's a lot of punchlines and a lot of jokes. And you're doing this thing that's, you know, that breathes and is like really more of a... a I totally see, I totally think, not knowing Seymart at all, why he would... <laughs> As a not expert in this field, Chris just building his case to get him on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, I don't think I could have Steve Martin on the podcast. You can do anything you want. I don't think I. I it's don't. Like Doc Brown says, "Put your mind to it. You can do anything." Call him right now. One yeah. um, why don't you think you could have him on? Because what would you say to him about his? What were you saying about how you think it was a, an expression of the times? Because. Um, you know, it was it was a period of time when like Vegas acts were exploding, and the whole idea of like comedy was like the mover and the shaker and the hey, I'm this guy, hey everybody, right? You know, hey, isn't comedy is comedy great? Hey, was it? It's kind of what we do when we do like the morning zoo kind of radio, right. like that as a performing entity, because I think you would just come out of the '60s where comedy was migrating from like really swanky nightclubs or like really cool coffee shops into the '70s where everything just kind of got a little soulless and dirty and not as you know just not as real. And I think that was his sort of way to characterize that. Mm -hmm. And, but I, but I would be afraid to have him on because I know he doesn't want to talk about comedy and I'd be happy to talk to him about bluegrass, but I think it would probably be one of those interviews where it would be the Chris Farley show. It would be the Chris Farley show. And then he, he might not want to say that much. And then we just stare at each other, and then I would probably break down and go, I've just ruined this moment with this guy that I idolize. Save it. Just talk about modern art. I, so this art's pretty modern. <laughs> Tell me about that, Steve. So that's I actually am that like he's probably the number one guy that I I think I I don't know if I will ever actually really pursue in any real way to have on the podcast because so he's number one like above Vladimir Putin or something. Yeah, he was yeah. way above Putin. Wait, I want number to pick one guy you can't for one get more on. second about him and his comedy act. Uh, his his book where he describes doing all of born those, standing up. Uh, shows mm-hmm. over and over doing the same thing yep. for like nobody and memorizing that. Mm-hmm. Do you think he was consciously doing a comment on or that was just coming out of him and also like only half of those things are jokes. Like a lot right. of them are just weird performance yeah. things that he kept doing until the audience came along with him. And don't you feel like you do the same thing? Do you feel like you're a, a joke writer or do you feel like I feel like you do the same thing where you kind of build these pieces and then the audience finds the places where they're funny rather than like, I don't think you specifically hammer people over the head with the jokes. No, but neither do you. I feel like I do. I I feel like I do. You hammer it? I I fucking hammer it. I just get in there and hammer that shit. No, but I just think that, you know, I mean, maybe he wasn't consciously doing it. Maybe it well, was. I do have long sections where people are not with me. And I've always. <laughs> or like, but my sort of downfall is what I've realized is people get uncomfortable because I, I have a quality where they're listening to me and then they're like, oh, you know, it's almost like, is she okay? Or like, what's wrong with her? Or someone oh, looking to the person. What's I, your John? Crazy? Um, what's your John Corbett story? 
Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Where I worked at the Hard Rock Cafe, and I, oh, I uh, <laughs> went up to the table and was like, can I take your drink order? And I was recognizing him and thinking, is that really him? In my mind, he's the hot uh, DJ. Northern, Northern Exposure is way on yeah, top at like, that point. And I was, and already working at the Hard Rock Cafe was kind of putting me in a weird. You you sell T-shirts at the table, you know that, yeah. right? You oh, give you them do. An order, you give them yeah. an order form, and you sell T-shirts at the table. So coming from so like, like the, I know the, the indie the coffee meal, house, have to be like. And oh I know God. when I go up there, I'm going to have to be like, uh, would you like to try a rock and roll chili? There's <laughs> that must have been. beans and two kinds of meat and rock and roll right in the chili. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that must have been so insane for you having come from like that is that to me is just sort of symbolizes like why people in San Francisco are like fucking never go to LA. like you're working at an indie coffee shop yeah you know like oh you know i'm just expression and poetry and then you come down to la to pursue this thing that you love and that fucking hard rock cafe in the most salesy kind yeah. of you gotta burn them and turn them to make some money <laughs> though, even if you want to make a minimal amount of money where was the hard rock cafe it was on the beverly, beverly center. center oh it was right in the oh but yeah he at the end of the stories he asked me if i'm retarded he asked me if i have down syndrome like because I'm making as an weird. insult, I think looking back on it, that he felt some attitude from me that mm. I didn't know I was giving him, which was also happened to me all the time because I don't have a personality where I'm like, "Hey guys, how are you?" See, I can't just like normally be like, "Hey, hey Chris, how's it going?" Yeah, maybe maybe I can more now than ever, but there was always a thing where people are like, "Wait, did I?" Oh, I, like a misfire. Are you fucking like, with me? Can't you just be friendly and say hi? And the answer is no, I cannot. <laughs> That's true. I well, me and uh, uh, you know Neil Mahoney, a good friend of ours. Uh, he uh, he still like gets anxiety about it whenever you're in the same we're in the same room as you. Where he's like, man, I can't handle it. Like, why? He's all remember like ten years ago where someone invited us over to Mary Lynn's place and and like we oh, it turned it out so we much. weren't invited. And then we sat in a dark room when everyone was in the kitchen that only sat the amount of people that were invited over. Really? Yeah. That sounds what? Where yeah. was that? It was, uh, I think you were living in Los Feliz. Did you ever live in Los you Feliz? You sat in the dark room? There was like, a, it was, it was like a dining room with like bench seats on either side of the table. And then there was like just like a, a living room right next to it where the lights weren't on. Are you sure that was my house? It, it was like it was you or it might have been Karen or uh, CJ Arabia. I'm not sure who it was, but it was uh, <laughs> but like when for some reason, Neil, I'm puts, not going to take the blame for this. Yeah, Neil puts it on to you. <laughs> when Neil house. sees you, he like uh, he's like, and then she looked at us and like, we, we should have just left, man. We should have left that night, man. Like he still gets worked up over it. Over, like, I'm gonna over tell there. Neil that his name came up and Marilyn was like, "Ugh, don't ever invite that guy over." Yeah, yeah. He'll well, actually, I didn't. Room. To be that honest, yeah. he'll just show up. I was like, up. "Put him in the dark living room." Oh, yeah. it's the greatest story. If I had that kind of power, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. oh, those two. It was, just, yeah. it, was, it was a thing where Nobody everyone was sitting them, around okay? the table and there was no extra room and no Ugh. extra seats and two extra guys. That gives me so much fucking agita just thinking about <laughs> it. By the way, oh, I don't think, I I don't think you can story. ever ask someone where you go, did he ask you that as an insult if you had Down syndrome? I don't think you could ever ask someone if they have Down syndrome and be like, no, it's a compliment. Well, yeah, no, but like, it's like, it's like, hey, before I say anything No, I know mean, what you mean. It's like, did he meet, did he... Was he trying to like... You the know. answer is yes, but he was trying to be clever about it. Yeah. He was trying to neg you so you'd go out with him. I am oh, with Neil. If that happened to me 10 years, I would hold that sort of feeling. Well, that 
if I had had any tendrils of like wanting to go back to that time, that story just put the nail in the coffin. <laughs> <laughs> like people hanging out at a table and nobody like moving their chairs, <sighs> like talking over each other. Oh, it's like my biggest fear. Like, I don't go funniest. to people's houses. Yeah, when I when when I saw the movie adaptation and they were having the conversation where it's like you know one of the uh, one of the twins was like. It's like you you never understood why people were making fun of you. He's like, No, I heard him, I just didn't care. Uh like uh, I was always like, Oh, that was like when me and Neil would be hanging out in the comedy scene where it's like uh like he he would be like, No one wants us to be here and you don't care. I'm like, Yeah, but it's fun hanging out and look at people, like I don't I don't care. And then like he would always like he would always like yeah. I, yeah. But now I kind of love that guys talk like that because I think it's, I thought it was just girls that talk about stuff no, like that. No, no. Well, uh, most of my, me and my guy friends are pretty, girls. like, yeah, very much gabbing out clothes and feeling uncomfortable at places. I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember being at Bumbershoot in like 2001, I think. And we were down, we were all in the same hotel. You were there, and I think. Barrett was there and Cross and a bunch of people, the Bumbershoot Festival's in, in Seattle. And uh, you were dating. Can I say who you were dating? Do you care? I don't care. It was John Bryan. So John Bryan was <laughs> there. not say that? I don't know, because I don't know if you're supposed to bring it up <laughs> or not. I'm going to start crying. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh, this is way worse than that time Neil showed up at your apartment and wasn't supposed to be <laughs> No, it's not. I'm married with a child, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, we're all hanging out, and I think that's right around the time when I was like, Oh, I have a little bit of a crush on Mary Lynn, and then we're all eating, and you were up in the room, and then Damn John Bryan. Why didn't we ever date? But because you were dating John Bryan at the time. Oh, that's and, why you and, don't want to say his name. And John and John Bryan, John Bryan <laughs> got up the table, and he was like, "Well, guys, I'm going upstairs to kick it Mary Lynn style," <laughs> and we're all just like, "Oh." What does that mean? What does that, that mean? That sounds sexy in a way. He's but gotta I sit in a dark room while she's in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was only one chair. There was only one chair, and then not enough room for him. There was not enough room yeah. for him. Sit over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, who is it now? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want now? Sorry, oh, that we were felt just, so true. <laughs> everyone so was right leaving the me. bar. But oh. you just suddenly want to play an ice queen in something. Damn it. You. Uh, so oh, you, I am playing an ice queen in something. Safety not guaranteed in theater soon. There you what? Go. Yep, I play a total bitch. Really? Yeah, oh, that I was, looks I was like improving as a hateful bitch, as they said, cut. And the director actually had to cut me off because I because I was talking to like a table of employees, and I was like, "What idea do you have? What shitty idea?" And he was like, "Mary Lynn, cut, cut, like stop yelling at the person." <laughs> My name is not no. Mary Lynn. It's so much and fun. You just, you that looks like a great movie. I'm looking forward to it. I heard it's really good. Yeah. I tried to go to a screening of it the other night. Don't and we let you in. Well, we had the wrong time. I had the wrong time. I put mm. it in wrong on my eye calendar. I had Neil eight was o'clock. It was really at seven o'clock. Yeah. Why would you have a screening at eight o'clock? So we drove across town to Culver City, but then we had a good shabu shabu instead. Oh, you got a good shabu shabu. And then I City. drove into the, like the um, and the security guard was like, "What are you doing here? Don't drive in here." And I was like, <laughs> "Got the babysitter and the screening." And it was like, "Which screening?" And I said, "And I guarantee." He's like, "Yeah, it's already started. You can sit here for a minute and collect yourself because I get." Because <laughs> I shared my story <laughs> instead of saying like I'm in the dark room and you're on the table. I said. Let's connect and I want you to know what happened tonight in and then he times. felt our pain but I didn't do it in a sarcastic way I just let yeah. him in I said yeah that uh, we just missed our screening but then it ended up good because we had some good food shabba shabba yeah, how did, you went out and cooked your own food yep <laughs> how did 24 come about did you audition for that? Or? Kick it, Mary Lynn style. <laughs> kick it, Mary Lynn style. I'm going to go upstairs and kick. And then, you know, I think there was a part of it was like, God damn it, I wish I could kick it, Mary Lynn style. Like, we were, I, I think we were all kind of like, Chris Hardwick style. I think we were all kind of a little jealous. And I think, mm. I felt like John Bryan, who 
He's a very sweet guy. I mean, I didn't date him, so I don't know how sweet he was, but he was always very sweet. It was a very, I think, an unintentional, uncharacteristic, almost <laughs> almost like a cocksure sort of a, hey, I'm going to go upstairs and uh, totally get on this, you know. It, I don't it's know. probably him trying to be that. Right. It's a weird thing and to say about your girlfriend. Like if like, you know, trying to say something. No, cool I think he was just yeah. being silly and fun yeah. and funny. Like, I don't think there was any, you know, I'm going to put this in that kind of yeah, like it wasn't no. it didn't. It, it was just more like, hey, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to go up and be with my girlfriend. But yeah, it just, and he was trying to say be like clever or silly. And then it yeah. came out. And then he picked up the chapsticks and then improvised a song <laughs> off the beer bottles. And then everybody forgot. It was his magic power that everyone was like. In, 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 and in he's trance. like, forget what I said. Kick it, Mary Lindsay. <laughs> that was weird, right? <laughs> this song was called Kick It, Mary Lindsay. Uh, this podcast should be called Kick, Kick It Mary Lynn Style should be the name of the thing that you do. I'm uncomfortable. I love that. I'm going to steal it. He's not going to remember. He'll never remember. No, the be- about the fact that... Never mind. Uh, how did... Uh... <laughs> not about the fact that you're good. Do you, are you done? Are you done? Well, before we get to 24, are you sort of... Because uh, your husband's not a performer. No. <laughs> are you... But you dated comedians. He you has dated a musicians. broken foot right now, so he can't really work, and I have to drive him everywhere. He has a foot cast. I just dropped him off at the ArcLight to ro- watch Prometheus. Oh. <laughs> and as we were driving down Vine, he goes, I kind of don't want to go now. Oh, and I was poor like, little you guy. you want to the podcast with me? Husband, he, and, husband and wife style? He, he totally would have been invited to the podcast. He didn't answer. Oh. He's a, I know you wouldn't care. You he's a motorcycle been, guy, right? He rides a motorcycle. He's a Harley Davidson fan. Yeah, I just remember once. I, I don't remember oh. where it was, but I remember he, <laughs> we were someplace. And he he's the son of anarchy. <laughs> he showed up. He, I remember he walked in with a like a leather jacket More and a, a helmet anarchy. once at some place you were at. And he did not. I think he did. He did, no, he did not. Yeah, and then he, he, he just pushed me aside. So get away, dweeb. He did. Yeah. Get away, he dweeb. Smashed a beer bottle. I'm here to kick it, Mary Lynn. Do you do you like dating and not? I mean, you're not dating. I'm like now you're legally dating. Uh, as as a as a married couple, do you like not being with a performer? Like, was it was that kind of exhausting? Is it weird to be with someone who's I like? I do. I love it. it who's took, probably pretty centered and normal. There was a long breaking in period, especially since we uh, I got pregnant very quickly. So it was like I had to unravel all of my uh, craziness in that department yeah. and realize. Oh, some people don't want to get up and argue about God at seven in the morning. <laughs> That's me who's angry and are angry for no reason. <laughs> That's all in here. And a lot of things I would get mad about. It's he's just like, I what I don't even know what you mean. And I was like, Oh boy. That's wow. It's interesting. I love this. I love mm. you told me I don't remember if you told it on stage or if you just told me. I think maybe you just told me this story. Maybe you told it on stage. But it was um you got pregnant, not not maybe not necessarily a planned pregnancy right away where you said, Hey, I want to have kids, but you it happened because that's how bodies work. And uh you told <laughs> the most amazing story about <laughs> breaking the news to your parents. <laughs> <laughs> that I wish you would tell. Um, how does it go? I oh yeah, uh, I waited to tell them because I try not to talk to them so much about stuff. And I was visiting Michigan, and I waited until the very last second, like I was on my way to the airport, and I had like my backpack and my and my my uh, as if I was waiting on John Corbett uncomfortable face uh, but instead of my mom asking me if I had Down syndrome she said <laughs> insert what my mother's uh, I said uh, something happened and my mom was like oh, what and then, 
And then my dad sort of sighed and looked forward at the television. And that's how I knew I had their attention. And I was like, I'm, I'm pregnant. And I was so scared to tell them, like scared of the repercussions and that I was going to be in trouble. And then my mom jumped up and like hugged me. I think she high-fived me and then hugged me. And then that's when I realized, oh, I'm 37. And I'm not <laughs> And I'm actually not in trouble right now. I'm an adult and I can do stuff like that. So and then you, have a good, you have a good job and you can make them. A good job. I own a house. Which is a side, very personal note, is I think that is probably the reason why I let it happen. Like, I I did not get preg on purpose, but I think there was a part of me that unconsciously was like, I'm okay with this. Yeah. But in my, like, waking life, I thought I was going to be in trouble. Also, unprotected sex is great. Here, no here. Guys, are we taking it there? I mean, seriously. What's Let's happening? kick Mary Lynn style. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let us not turn kick Mary Lynn style into a euphemism for unprotected sex. <laughs> no, no, no. We're just hey, like, you guys, it's just talking trash kids, about sex and shit. Kids, right? don't kick it Mary Lynn style. Use a condom. <laughs> Parents, Chris, sure why are you sitting around that chair Mary backwards? Style with your kids. <laughs> <laughs> and delighted. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, oh, shoot. So, so me and this girl were kicking a Maryland style. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. bareback? Yeah, totally, totally, man. <laughs> and then the Sexual <laughs> commando? And I yeah. totally thought I was going to get pregnant. Yeah. And then, and then we kicked a Maryland style again, and she yeah. is pregnant. Yeah, so. she, now she is pregnant, and the baby is down central. <laughs> Oh. It's okay to it's, it's okay to kick a Maryland style on the butt because you can't. Drumming circle. I love having Man, you I wish on your the husband show. Came. It's so much fun. I know. <laughs> he did. Really I uh, so was it you you accepted it after that moment? Was that the sort of moment with your parents where you were like, ah, I am actually okay with this? Yes, yes. And then there was an odd moment with my parents where my mom kind of was trying to insist that I could do it by myself. And I was like, no, we're actually going to, uh, he and I, were going to do it together. And so that was, you know, another transition because my mom was like, okay, if that works out. like good, good <laughs> That's weird. Jeez. Well, I think because she, right. I hadn't talked about him. She hadn't met him. It was very much. He she would, knew about the motorcycle. <laughs> she knew about the helmet, the way he carried it. I uh, just sauntered into the room. All eyes on him. Um, but yeah, because, you know, it was uh, very uh, precarious, but that's what made it so much fun. And now you feel okay with everything. Oh, yeah, I feel great. Yeah, I Super know. Super lucky. You, how how old is your son now? He's going to be like three or four? He's three and a half. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it, did that thing happen that everyone always blabs about where they're like, I didn't think I wanted kids, but I had a kid and it fucking changed. Like, everything's amazing. Yes. Of course it happened. Come on. <laughs> Can't talk to you guys about that. <laughs> you don't get it. <laughs> You're not in the club. You'll never get it until you kick it very little <laughs> tonight. And then get back to me, and then we'll talk about everything. But we're uh, not gonna. I wonder if I'm uh, uh, if I'm with a lady, and then right at the moment at the end, I'm like, ah, I just kicked it Maryland mm. style. And then I try to high five her. <laughs> is she gonna Is she gonna be like, please put your hand down and get off of yeah. me and leave? No, the illustration. I I can't believe I was the one that brought it up again. Let's forget that term. Okay, I take it back. Uh, it is pretty. That's sexy, all people sexy. will tweet at the four of us. 
the first Lord. week that the podcast yeah. is after. I'm curious what would have happened if we had dated and then oh. uh and then we're just we're just lying around one night and I'm like, <laughs> Yep, this is kicking at Mary Lynn style and you're like, What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you brought uh, someone else to tears now. Who did you Finally. Finally. What if you brought Steve Martin to tears if you had him on? That, that would, would horrify me. Great. He did actually. I, he did a. He did an interview at the 92nd Street Y with um, Charlie Rose, and at the end of it, he's telling a story about this uh, someone who. Si- he seems like the sweetest, most sensitive guy in the world, which is why I think he comes off very guarded. But uh-huh. He's telling this story about how someone sent him a letter about. The, that they were something he did connected the father and the son in a certain way, and he chokes up and he starts crying, and it's it's always you know, it's like oh he's a human being, but for me I was like oh, Steve Martin, what can I do? What have you done, Charlie Rose? How can I make it better? Oh, interesting. So you weren't actually even feeling the uh, the emotion of his story. You were just like oh my gosh, this is Steve Martin. I okay? was feeling the emotion of the story, and the, yeah, and then I just wanted to like nah, I just want to make it better, <laughs> and I couldn't. Because I will never, I, I I've told the story before. You should open up with your interview, which we're gonna we're gonna make happen, right, guys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With I just want you to feel better. <laughs> I've wanted to hold you <laughs> for so long, <laughs> as long as I can remember. Well, it's uh, you know he de- Ed Helms does those blue the bluegrass situation thing, that like bluegrass situation where he'll do like a bluegrass festival every year, and Steve plays at it, uh, and the one or two times that I've done it, I never. I've been there on the day that Steve Martin wasn't there, and I've always been weirdly relieved because I don't know if I could perform with Steve Martin watching. I'm sure he was relieved too. I yes, I'm <laughs> sure he was very. I want to make this happen. I don't feel comfortable with it. Yeah, having a kid changes you. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like now that? Do you think it's just you know just with 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 time and experience and age that you're more comfortable with everything, or was it? Having a having a kid that kind of made you more both, but probably mostly the kid. The kid will perf- will just take your shit and shake it up and throw it out, and you can't. <laughs> yeah, you think if you think you're like, you know, you have responsibilities or worries. It's nothing. Oh, it's nothing until you have a little tiny human being, and that's the greatest and worst part about it. <laughs> that's what you've heard, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's the hardest job you'll ever love. <laughs> Well, I mean, because it takes you, the, it it pushes you to the brink. Whose wedding did I see you at right after you had the baby? Was it a wedding? It was downtown at Union Station. It was, that was Scott like the Kulop's res- wedding. Yeah. Yes, it was Scott Ackerman's wedding. Yeah. And I saw you and uh, I was like, how's it going? And you're like, I don't sleep. Oh, I didn't like, I didn't even like the baby at that point. <laughs> I didn't like it for the first three to six months to a year. <laughs> to three to four years. currently currently (laughs) and then what what do you think it was that changed it slept more that's part of it you just it wears you down and then you realize you know it intellectually that that it's profound and important but it forces you to be in that place in like every minute and then you're like oh oh and the more you do it the more you are like this is pretty cool man (laughs) Well, particularly for comedians who I think are somewhat inherently selfish just because of because of that career path where it's just like everyone focus on me, everyone focus on me. Yeah. And so we're so used to 
coming and going as we please, doing whatever we want, not oh, yeah. doing what we don't want. And then all of a sudden, well, and when you're reminded of that, like, oh, I have to fucking do this now. And that voice yeah. comes in your head. Yeah. And then every day you see reflected back at you what kind of an asshole you are because you're like, oh, well, they don't. And I, st- I mean, I still have like the transition if I've been out doing stuff all day or working and I'm going into going home. But you like sort of get used to it. And then I'm like, OK, I have to like change because I'm out in the world and doing stuff. And then you kind of transition into like being home and it's the best. Well, that's nice. And then he's like, you know, gotta go poop. Can you come with me? Can you wipe my butt? And I'm like, come But what all does over your there. son say? <laughs> hey, hey uh, Matt, you totally. KK Maryland show. <laughs> That's the transition between sketches, <laughs> where it's just you, just like, yeah. like fist pumping. I was thinking it also meant kicking at Maryland style. Also means I'll wipe your butt for you. Yeah. <laughs> wow, this is a lot of. Uh, Did God, you I'm know? Really is it You're a messy have to one? Wipe my butt, Maryland style. Hey, was it a messy one? <laughs> wipe your own butt. <laughs> I'm told the Inuits have 47 different meanings for kick at Mary Lynn style. Yeah. <laughs> their, their language is very, yeah. it's a very subtextual, uh, it's a subtextually complex language. Oh, you were great on, um, we did the same mashup, episode of mashup too. Oh, yeah, that was, that so was really fun. fun. Did you shoot your sketches yet? I did. Which was, ones, uh, which ones exciting. did they use? The one where I talk about how I just want to be hot and I sit next to a supermodel on the plane and I'm like, oh, I'm a supermodel. And uh, I talk about how girls that are porn sexy take off their glasses and like suck on them when, or just like weird shit that super sexy girls do. Yeah. And, uh, do you know, Charlotte, TJ's girlfriend, she like played that, <laughs> like illustrated that, but she was like fucking a pair of sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow, you're really, you're really illustrating my joke right now. Don't you, there's some sort of weird thing with the, the like what we perceive to be sexy in our culture because 50% of what we perceive to be sexy are things that babies do. And that to me, like, what? go on. Oh, I see, like, like sucking on glasses. Like, like, nah, nah, nah. look at me. Yeah. You know, like, there's a weird sort of a, I don't know what I'm, you know, like, there's a weird kind of a thing that we perceive as sexy. But if you really break it down, it's like, that's what babies do. Yeah. Why so sexy doesn't necessarily like translate to sex very well. It's like you see a, like a, a stripper on a pole, like no guys going, man, I want her to swing around on my dick. You know, no one like that's not no, a thing. No, you're not doing it right. What? No, yeah, that's how it works. It's really how it works? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I had a it's not the same brass thing, penis you know? installed. Yeah. Because I want, I hate strip clubs anyway. Yeah. Because they're just gross. Yeah. I completely disagree with your baby theory. Really? Yes. All of the like the pulling the lip and they're like, no, who's that? Yeah, sexy but that's for? all like really trite. But if you look at like real intimacy, you guys, which I think we're having here today yeah. on this podcast, you've really grown up. Thank you. Like, there's that like uh, being sensual with someone is very tender. You could relate that to a baby, but you don't have to go so far to be cartoonish about it. No, I think I was just thinking more sexy in terms times of times are really. Um, I, I was thinking more in terms of the way it's expressed in media, like in like in magazines, and you know, like because you were talking about like the sexy girl chewing on her sunglasses. I'm, not, I'm like disagreeing with you, and I have a whole bit written about it. <laughs> about exactly what you're disagreeing but with. At the end of the day, what's sexy to me is the guy's credit card and his Harley <laughs> Davidson. Am I right? right? And his diamond floors. No annual fee. <laughs> what's up? My diamond hey, floors. Hey, what's your limit on your Amex? But it's unlimited. Before this goes any further. Platinum means unlimited. Oh, yeah. Uh, the sky's the limit. 
Do you, how are you enjoying? Well, the, do you like the comedy clubs? Are you enjoy? Are people coming out and expecting to see Chloe? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I got really into it. I'm kind of. Uh, if you would have talked to me three weeks ago, I would have been like, "Oh my gosh, I totally have an act and it's working, and I'm really into it." And then like, you go home and you're like, "Why? I don't want to leave my house." And then another day passes, and I'm like, "I haven't been in the, haven't been in the clubs in two and a half, three weeks," and I'm have no desire to at this moment but i will be are you touring there. the country or just doing los angeles stuff mm-hmm. no <laughs> i did uh brea for the first time which i was really excited about because i have an act and i deliver it and i pause and i have the jokes and stuff <laughs> but people still even and i address the chloe thing at the top of it but people are still looking at me like what what is she doing here right like i have whole jokes about it <sighs> you didn't really audition for that for 24. For back to the earlier question, they, they just sort of like the, the creator of the show or someone was like, I want you to be in this. Yeah, it was Joel Cerno who created 24. He saw me in that movie, uh, Punch Drunk Love, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, mm-hmm. and uh, where I played the overbearing sister to Adam Sandler. And he liked us. Wait, I thought Adam Sandler played the overbearing sister to Adam Sandler. True. You're thinking of Punch Drunk Love and Jill. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was a totally different movie. <laughs> See why you guys work together. Kicking it, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gotta stop saying that. So he saw he saw you in that movie and said you should be in the show. Yes, exactly. That is a really he sweet way. Write, uh, it's amazing. He goes, I'm gonna write a part for you. And I was like, no way, that'll never happen. But this is like the nicest meeting ever because you just like any acknowledgement. But then you think because the way the business is, it won't like pan out. And then it totally did. That's pretty sweet. It's and amazing. And then some. And then I thought I was going to get fired after four shows and then six shows, and it was, you know, went on for a long time. And then you've done other, you've done four talk hours shows. or six hours. <laughs> nice one. Hey, uh, nice. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. That was using the universe Shut of the up. show. It was using, I'm complimenting you. <laughs> Don't get Learn all John Corbett on me. <laughs> Learn how to be intimate and sexual. Do you no, want to host stuff or do you want to, do you want to, what do you want to do? Um, oh, you want to you want to do a podcast? Well, I was gonna start doing a podcast just because, like everyone's podcast that I do, I'm like so slow on the uptake that you because then when people listen and they come see you live, they already kind of know what you're about. Absolutely, and what a delightful uh, way to uh, make connect money. With people, we've talked and about make this. Millions and millions of dollars, <laughs> <laughs> millions of podcast dollars coming uh, via wire. But then I did a um, talk show pilot. And had a blast doing With that. You think, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, I'm scared because sometimes I'm like, I just want to get another acting job. I, I don't know. I think it'd be a fun thing for you to do on this. We we've talked we've talked about this. I I would, you know, I would totally uh, put, produce the show or put the show out for you. Which if you you maybe know. she doesn't want that, then you're being weird right now. You're saying that on the air. <laughs> we've already how talked about it, work? Matt. How does it work? How do you do it? Well, we just produce it for you, and then all you have to do is show up and talk, and then that's it. Okay. It just makes it really, <laughs> it makes it really easy. It'll. This will be like, this will be like us. This will be like the date thing that never happened. Yes. Produce the, produce the thing. All right. Oh, I kind of want to talk to like a- actors about their career, and then about being parents. But then I only don't want to like. I, I, at first, I wanted to call it Studio City, and it would just be about. Like people I know that were in Studio City, and they would come over <laughs> to my garage. 
like people that are my age. Not, my that's not a terrible idea. That is a fucking Thank great you, idea. Because I, I just saw Angela Kinsey this morning, and she's my neighbor, and she's also a mom. And I'd be like, you know, talk to her about acting and then about being a mom. And then Tom Kinney, I think, is my other neighbor. Yep. I would talk to him about being a So you have that. Tom being and Jill. You have Tom and Jill. Exactly. I wanted to put a note in their um, mailbox, but I wasn't sure which house was theirs. <laughs> um, Blanket the street. It's the one that has the SpongeBob face one? on the garage. <laughs> Here! Yes. Here! Don't bother me! <laughs> and then he acts all like aggravated. You're like, but you have a SpongeBob uh, picture on your. Here, here, don't bother me. Sounds like an NPR show. <laughs> here, here, don't bother me. Come over to my show. What do you want? <laughs> Why can't you leave me alone? You invited me. I don't give a shit. All right. Please. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about it. All right. I feel nervous to talk about it. Well, you don't have to. I am here for you. Thanks. Whatever. Chris Cardwick. <laughs> whatever you want, Marilyn Rice Cub. Can we do it on a spaceship? Yes. All right. Sponsored by Virgin Galactica. Nope. I've been reading about space, space books to my son, like what is Earth and what is and the planets and stuff like that. It's pretty cute. He's like, which one's on the coldest one? Which one is the cold one? Like, is that Uranus? <laughs> did you have to explain the downgrade of Pluto to him? I did. It's in, it was in the book. I didn't know about it until I read this book. Learn, and that must be a things. weird thing for a kid who's ju you're just explaining the concept of planets to him and be like, this one is not that thing I just said anymore. Yeah, I think he's going to start thinking about it not as a planet right from the get-go. Oh, growing you up know? that way. I don't want to live. I know. It's just like, this thing in the Kuiper belt, you guys. Young. When I was Pluto young, was it was a, a planet. planet. <laughs> I could count on it. <sighs> Who wants an eight-planet solar system? <laughs> stupid. So stupid. Eight and a half? I'm okay with it. I guess I'm okay with it, too. Yeah. We're never going to go We're to Pluto. We're okay with it. Now no. it's the largest thing in the Kuiper belt. So it used to be this tiniest planet. I feel so like kind of getting an upgrade. pre-mom Mary Lynn would not have been okay with it. But Mom Mary Lynn... You're so right. Really You're starting to get the gist of this thing, Chris. <laughs> has really helped expand your comfort zone with planetary classification <laughs> systems. <laughs> it's the one part of motherhood you never expect, <laughs> but probably the most rewarding, I think, right? Oh, very rewarding. Uh, is there anything you want to... Uh, is there anything you want to plug before we wrap this up? Um, dirtywork.com. Dirtywork.com. Web series. Yep. Directed by Eric Appel. Yes. Who's great. New father. Yes. Oh, new, new father too? Yeah, yeah, new dad. Him and Johanna had a baby. Nice. I've had their baby present in the back of my car for weeks. Haven't had a do chance. You, to do you want to give a bottle of Hennessy to an infant? Yeah. Yeah, that's the plan. It'd just be really funny until, you know, they can drink it. Yeah. Or I'll drink it. Right. I, uh, I, I, my, when, I, sometimes when I have friends who have new babies, I'll call and just ask to speak. They'll be like, oh, hi, can I talk to <laughs> Keith? Uh, just the, whatever the baby's name is, because I think I'm being funny. Like, now you, know you can tell him. Keith? Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I'm just picking. That was the great first name, name that came into my name. head. You're going to make a great father. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure that that's ever going to happen. <gasps> Christopher Hardwick. What? No, I know. I, um, I didn't want it to happen. I don't know. I just don't, I don't I'm know. I'm a lady and I didn't want it to happen. Mm. I just don't know. I just don't know. I don't know if I, I don't know. It's, it's really more about being aware of how I am with the world. And I don't know <laughs> if I would be. Oh, no. I don't know if I would be a good parent. I don't how know. How are you with the world? Well, just like super focused on work and nonstop. Right. And I'm, I lead, I mean, I lead a fairly selfish existence. 
everything I do revolves around something that I'm working on in some way. And I don't know if I, I don't know if I would, I don't want to be the kind of parent who's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dad will be in there in a minute. I have to answer these emails. You know, like I feel like if you have a kid, you should really want, you should really devote a large portion of your life to making sure that that person's life. But if you ever did want to take a break from work, having a kid would be a good excuse. That's true. But and the break is so much like work, yeah, you wouldn't notice. Right. But but I you. but I Dad, dad no, I <laughs> Dad, Dad. Ah, uh, you'll you'll get there. Soon. Matt Dad and Jonah Dad. Chris, when you get home, you're gonna have a baby there. Jesus Christ! <laughs> That's yeah. why we work this. That's you're, you'll have be kids before today. I will, I think. I don't know. Deanna doesn't really want to have kids. Okay. How long have you guys been I together? I probably uh, will. A little over two years. Nice coverage. She doesn't want to have kids? No. I didn't really either. I'm not. I just. See, I don't it's mean funny. Every, so and every time, every time, like uh, we we tell people, that they're like, "Well, when you, you guys are gonna have kids?" We're like, "Ah, no." And then uh, they'll go, "Just wait." You know, it's, it's like very condescending. Like you, like Fred Belford yesterday. He's like, uh, "Just wait a couple years. It'll happen." Do you have unprotected sex? Yes. Is she on the pill? Yes. Mm. Did does Fred have a baby? No, we, we kick it Maryland style all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Right, Maryland. <laughs> I'm sorry about that up because you know what's gonna happen oh, now, Maryland on it's Twitter. Not a thing. It's now a thing. Uh, on Twitter now, there's going to be a lot of like, I wish I could kick it very late. Oh so you're going to have to suffer that oh for God. like a week. And then in a month, it'll be a little more sporadic. And then you won't. And then it'll go away. Oh, Lord. But. I would really register kickitmarylinstyle.com right now oh, when shit. you leave. When you and leave. that should Somebody also be the name me? of the podcast that. that you do. Kick Welcome it, Mary Lynn style. High fives. Yes, because oh, technically, shit. if it's about parenting and motherhood, there is an aspect of unprotected sex that's involved that's in that. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. I, I, honestly, my podcast was going to be called Studio City, and then I changed. I was going to be unprotected sex and other stories of blah, 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 blah. Because <laughs> you want to you want people to kick click it, on Mary it. Lynn style. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was also what you call the edge of motherhood, and I was like, oh, I hate that, because I don't really want to talk about being a mom, because no one's going to want to click on a thing about a mom. Moms will. Yeah, but I, I'm a mom, and I wouldn't. That's true. Shit. I want moms, too. <laughs> Secretly. Yeah, you, but you can always end the show. It's like, uh, I want to thank uh, my guest, Tom Kenny, for kicking a Maryland style. <laughs> and then Jill's going to be like, you did what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 it's the name of the talking show now. Talking. It's not... Mm. It's not, not what, what is normally uh, the very widely yeah. understood, collectively agreed upon euphemism. No, every, the end of every uh, episode is a you leave, and then the guest you had just goes, well, I got to go kick it very Lynn style, and then they walk out of the room and they're on the podcast. Uh, please don't be upset at me for bringing that up. Are you okay with it? Uh, I love hate it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Why are was people just, laughing at me? It was just one of those stories that's just always been, you know, like in the, stuck. It just popped in the back of my head from years ago you know that's why people tune in chris i don't know that's why they love you i don't know what you'll bring it out i you'll pull out a story mm, sort of a little bit uh but it is amazing to have you on the podcast and i am thrilled that things are going well and uh i don't know we, we should hang out come on not, I mean, not in a datey way, but just like, let's like kick it. Let's, let's <laughs> regular style. <laughs> we'll kick it regular style. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye bye. Enjoy your burrito, everybody. Anyway. Is it? Right. Now I'm gonna just reach over and turn this off. Everybody, just take it down a minute. An awful lot of space work. I don't. Uh, for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
When you get caught between the moon and the moon. So you went up. That's your theme. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast was brought to you by IFC. Bunk, the game show, airs 10.30 every Friday night following Comedy Bang Bang on IFC. Once upon a beat. Remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fuse, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the new kids and family podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat.